This is the AV Podcast Games Edition. Hello and welcome to the AV Podcast Gaming Edition for the month of November. I'm Steve Hill. Uh, joining me this month is, of course, Mark Botwright. Hello, Mark. Evening, Steve. Leon Matthews. Hello, Leon. I'm the one who shoots things. <laughs> and Steve Carter. How you doing, Steve? Good evening. Uh, fellas, it's November, so that must mean it's another Call of Duty. Black Ops 2 came out just today, uh, as we record this. Um, I picked up a copy. Uh, Leon, you've been reviewing it for the site, so you've had it a little bit longer than the rest of us. Um, I found it good. Um, to be honest, I don't know what I was expecting, because as you know, and a lot of people know, I've, I'm a huge Call of Duty fan. I've been playing it for years and years and years, but I have just tailed off um, up until this one. Um, I've been I've reviewed the last couple, so you know I have played them. You're playing um, on Xbox, right? Yeah, playing on Xbox, um, but I haven't really played them obsessively like I did with Call of Duty 4. Um, and this one is good. Um, to be honest, it has rekindled my love for it a little bit. Now, you've never really been into the, the Treyarch Call of Duty titles. So what what have they done this time that's drawn you in that, that much more? The setting's pretty good. It's, it's in 2025 now. Um, so it's got the whole future bend on it. It's got floating screens everywhere and LEDs all over it. And then, you know, you get multiple weapons. I mean, in the review, I say they, they seem like they're very acutely aware that they need to keep people interested in this one. So it's not just a matter of pushing people down corridors and giving them targets. It's a matter of, you know, giving you sniper rifles to fire through walls and then allowing you to control drone strikes. And then every five minutes, you're doing something new in the game. Are we talking about the campaign here? We are talking about the campaign. Yeah, I've heard this game apparently has a campaign, as uh, all the other ones have. <laughs> I haven't played a Call of Duty campaign since Modern Warfare 2. It's good, actually. It's very good. They've made some good changes to it. It's got choices in it now. What, moral dilemmas? Indeed. You know, it is the year of choices. Um, every game seems to think that you should be able to choose the path of the story. Um, and Call of Duty's got it in it now, which is, is interesting. But they do it well. Um, Court campaigns are notorious for being very, very short. How does this one sort of stack up in comparison to years gone by? It's no different. I, I did it on Hardened in about six and a half hours. Which I, I, is okay for a first-person shooter, isn't it? I mean, I, sometimes when I see people moan about the length of it, I kind of wonder what it is they're expecting. Because really, is a shooter kind of on rails to an extent? Um, I mean, it is. It, it depends on how much you like it, to be honest. For me... I'd say eight hours is probably the most I'd want a shooter campaign to last these days, because um, at that point it just becomes a little bit boring and repetitive. Certain games probably are an exception to the rule, like for me, Halo, but then again, I am probably the biggest Halo fan there is, so I could play that all day. Um, but the universe is that much more immersive and deep, isn't it, with Halo, whereas with Call of Duty, it doesn't quite have that level of depth. I mean, the, the, the story has been there in certain years, and the, the characters have been there in certain years, but not quite on the same level, don't you think? Um, I agree with you. Um, Halo just inherently has a better story because it's just it's, a richer universe you know? exactly yeah it's more fantastical so they can go wildly different ways with it whereas shooting terrorists only generally goes one way um but black ops 2 it does do things i don't obviously i don't want to spoil it but i i've said in the review you know it's the most interesting campaign that they've done since call of duty 4 i think i, I praise indeed well I, i'll give it a go i mean the last campaigns are, i said i played was modern warfare 2 and i actually i beat it on um, all difficulties on both the Xbox and the PlayStation, which was a bit weird, but that was back when I was doing my little um, achievement and trophy hunting thing. But I really enjoyed it. Every playthrough, you know, I, did, I didn't feel that I was bored of it. Um, but in years gone by, it just hasn't quite grabbed me. But I look forward to giving this one a go. And I suppose the, the big question on everyone's lips is uh, multiplayer. See, now, I, I didn't play a huge amount of Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer. I mean, to me and to most people who come to this game, I mean, Call of Duty has gone to the point now where games like FIFA and Madden are, where people just approach them every year who probably wouldn't play games. You know, they, they jump in for one game. And to the casual onlooker, Call of Duty hasn't really changed that much. And this edition isn't that different. Um, they've, they've changed a few things, like they've changed up the way that the classes work and they've mixed up a few of the modes and added a few things and taken away things. But ultimately, the game plays at 60 FPS and you shoot people in the face. It's it's basically the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm playing on, uh, on PlayStation and I'm looking at it and thinking, it just graphically, it's just so poor so far behind like uh obviously what i 
play on the PC, but it just it just seems very tired and old. And if ever there was a game ready for the next generation of consoles, it, it, it was Call of Duty, for sure. If Activision, I'm sure if Activision had secretly developed their own console and said, you know, the next Call of Duty is only going to come out on our bit of kit, they would have cleaned up because everyone's ready for it, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, Call of Duty hasn't been looking that great for a long time I mean gone are the days of when we had that Call of Duty 4 beater and the guy rose out of the grass and you were like oh he looks amazing I didn't even realise he was there <laughs> um, those days are long long gone um, but it, you know it does the job um, gra- graphically it's it's okay um, play wise you, you can't beat what it tries to do which is a fast frenetic first person shooter I was surprised to see kill streaks have uh, gone in place of score streaks gone not really uh, I mean I mean, it's, kind of, it's the same thing, isn't it, essentially? It is. It's just now that you're capturing objectives gives you points, which helps towards a score streak. But ultimately, if you're the sort of person who can kill 40 people a match, it doesn't really make a great deal of difference to you. Steve, did you pick up uh, this one yet? Uh, I haven't. I probably will do shortly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like Leon, I'm not really raving about the Call of Duty series anymore. I mean, to me, I'm not really onto my, into my shooters that are set in this, you know near future or futuristic setting to me I'd rather have a shooter that's based on solid facts than it's you know it's less sci-fi and what have you I mean it it looks interesting don't get me wrong it, it definitely looks like the best the best one that um, they've done for quite a while you know but whether I'll I'll play it as extensively as I has done like like we say with the Call of Duty 4 uh, probably not um, but you know it's it's definitely something I'll pick up at, at some point you know, I haven't been a fan of the series for for years, and we've spoken about this many, many times on, on the pod, but I always feel when this time of year comes around that if I don't get it, I'm kind of feeling a bit left out or, you know, I'm missing out. And uh, this year I, I, I didn't get round to buying an Xbox as I, I said I was going to. So I just picked up a copy on, on PlayStation today. And, you know, it's... It, it, it's uh, it's busy, there's lots of people playing it, uh, which is kind of a, a no-brainer, but to me it did seem kind of tired just after a, a few hours of uh, playing on multiplayer and I don't know whether that's that's me and I've changed what I want from a game but I tell you what I was enjoying I was enjoying running around with a shotgun and that seems to work quite quite well in this one in uh, previous versions they've they've not been as effective but in this one I seem to be uh, getting quite a bit of joy and that's you know that that that's kind of nice to challenge yourself to to do that but is there enough variation for hardened COD fans to, to keep coming back? It, it depends. Um, I, I said it actually in, I think it was the Modern Warfare 3 review, you know, a lot of these Call of Duty editions now, it more depends on you than it does on the game. Like, how much Call of Duty have you played? If you're the sort of person who's been playing Call of Duty for three years non-stop, then it's probably not going to knock your socks off. If you're like me, and you stepped out for two years because you just had enough, and then you come into this one now, then it's it's a nice it's a nice change. Um, it's, it's changed enough in those years that it can be enjoyable, but if, if you've just been eating it up for the last two years, you're probably not going to find it that much different. But then again, if, if you're that into it, then you probably, you've probably already bought this and you're probably already trying to rank up as we speak. It's a high learning curve. I mean, at this point, people have honed their Call of Duty skills. So, But then again, they have added in, they've added in modes. They've got like bots, bot training in there now. So you can play a mode up to like level 10 where you just play with bots and other people who are under level 10. So that makes it easier. And they've got matchmaking in zombies now. So you don't have to play multiplayer, I guess. Um, th- th- there is a lot to the package. And, and that's the thing. You can't really take away the fact that Call of Duty is a well-made game. People might be tired of it. And it might not be innovating anymore. But at the end of the day, it's still one of the best games at doing what it does. Mark, I always feel terrible when we talk about Call of Duty. Because you always seem to be uh, left out of conversation. What, what, why is it you never uh, seem to pick up these COD games? Is it just not your bag? It's just yeah, it's it's not really my cup of tea to be honest. Um, I I tend to prefer I, I'm this one's kind of piqued my interest a little bit with uh, slightly near future setting. Uh, you know I, I like things with a little bit of a twist. I, I find the kind of continual rehashing of hunting terrorists and and that kind of thing and you know army type shouting at me I, it, it kind of bores me you know it, it, it seems like the, the script is just kind of written on the back of a fag packet over a long lunch and there, there's no great variation there um, but when when they start to inject something new when you know they try to put in different weaponry when when there are a few little fresh twists then that's when it 
you know they start to draw me in so I'm, I'm i am quite interested in this one um particularly as, as soon as you see anything kind of mech like um it, it does kind of make me think uh yeah i probably will end up picking it up <laughs> how does everyone feel about the uh the call of duty community as it were your your, your fellow gamer when you're, you're online I, I was in a lobby today and um and of course you know you hear the the same old uh, same old comments but there was one guy who took great satisfaction at the end of every game if he uh, if he'd come out on top when we were back in the lobby when everyone can hear just declaring raped to everyone it's <laughs> <laughs> full of douchebags tell you that now it, it really is uh, kind of like a, a gathering of the arse end of gamers sometimes I, I don't know I mean yeah, you could say that, but at the end of the day, it's got the most people playing it online. So I think it's more reflective of just the online community rather than the Call of Duty community. I mean, if another game was that popular, then those people would just be playing that, and you'd think that was the worst community in the world. Sorry, I th- I, no, I think that you've just encountered um, a little bit of the PS3 kind of uh, multiplayer military sim type, um, because... It, with the with the 360 everyone's got a mic um it it seems a more even playing field whereas with the ps3 the person who actually wants to speak goes out and buys a mic and pairs it up so you know the person who shouts the most is going to be the person who's got the mic to start off with i think you're just you know a brutal reality check there with ps3 gaming steve yeah no it's it's, it's a good point it, it just you know the bravado and the, the machoism it, it it does make me laugh sometimes i mean it's only a video game but some people take it so so much more seriously you know some of the the guys you hear how irate they're getting and it's like you know you're gonna burst the blood vessel mate it's not worth it but you mean I, you're not hoorahing at every end of every mission and <laughs> every level i salute I, I stand up and give it a salute <laughs> i'm not gonna lie though i i get worked up at this game and I, th- I think call of duty was one of the reasons why i just stopped to being on the mic during online gaming at all because if if you put a mic in there if you snuck one in my living room some of the things i would say <laughs> probably you know you would not you got a report yeah exactly so i mean and as far as the lobbies and whatnot i play notoriously with music over the top of everything so everybody is drowned out so i don't hear anything and people can't hear me and that's just the way i like to play it but why, it, why, why do you think that is i mean um for those who don't know uh leon is actually black obviously it doesn't come across in uh, in the podcast i didn't know for probably a year into our relationship because of, obviously we only met and spoke online through the forum it's always funny when people figure it yeah. out <laughs> um but i mean you know what, what, what was it the racism that that kind of led you to because it doesn't even necessarily need to be directed at you it's just you know people just seem to to throw it out there for no apparent reason yeah i mean like it's, it, it's out there but I mean it's not going to like make me go into a ball and cry in the corner or anything I mean I can handle it but I think A I just like listening to music a lot <laughs> and especially when I'm shooting things it's I just like having like rock music on in the background and it's just something that I've always done but I just don't need to hear like 90% of what goes on on Xbox Live not that it is offensive to me particularly it's just that most of it is just complete and not rubbish and alright well uh, l- let me ask uh, another question do you think Microsoft and Sony respectively are doing enough to keep that kind of stuff in check or is it a case of just there there isn't really much they can do yeah, it's the internet at the end of the day i mean you know uh, you could say that about any sort of website really i mean it's it, it's out there and for them to police it it's, it's an unreasonable job they'd have to be in every lobby everywhere and just listening to everything that everybody said which is, is a stupid expectation to have so i mean in, in reality you've just got to deal with it how you want to deal with it either fight back or just ignore it which it seems to be the easier way to go to be honest so from one futuristic shooter to one which is more steeped in reality uh the new medal of honor came out leon and you played that uh for the forum and reviewed it see now this is uh, having just talked about call of duty um medal of honor tries very hard to do a lot of call of duty things in it um, but it kind of fails, and it fails in the most generic, boring way, really. Um, every mission that pops up on the screen, they say, is inspired by real events, um, which makes you think real events are actually pretty boring sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's 
why would you base it on a real event if the real event was this boring? If it was just, let's go to this compound, shoot everybody, and then go home. Uh, which, which is what, exactly what it is for, for most of the game. I mean, At the end, they've got this sort of bunker mission, which feels like, because there was a lot of controversy over them, allowing you to shoot Osama Bin Laden in the game, in, Bin Laden in the game, and I think they took that out, but it feels like they just renamed everything in that mission, and right. it's still the same. Um, it's a funny one, isn't it? This, um, you know, the whole making things factual or based on facts, and, uh, you, you know, 9-11 was a really terrible, 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 horrendous thing, and like, hopefully the worst thing I ever see in my lifetime. Is there any need to ever kind of put something, you know, with that kind of theme in a game? Is it? Is there any need for that? Is it just? Does it just feed kind of the hatred and the, you know, the ill relations between um, religions and societies and cultures? No, I I just think you've got with that kind of thing. You've got to be really really careful. Um, you know, is gaming mature enough yet to be putting that kind of thing in um you know we're, we're heading there but if, you know if there was a should we say a title that i wouldn't necessarily say um the script writing team traditionally is up to the task of tackling that subject it would probably be a medal of honor game uh, i i just think it's i mean we all know the standard terrorist stories we all know you know as leon said you know go to the compound shoot them all kind of you know you head out uh, an extraction followed by another mission followed by another extraction it's 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 standard fair now it it almost seems like certain subjects are being touched upon because it's it's like buzzwords they know they'll get interest from it and you know you'll get column inches from it yeah um it depends on what you're trying to achieve with it really medal of honor it's it's got very good intentions like at the end um they, because they we talk- should sorry to jump in but we should give medal of honor credit for way back in the day when it first came out and it was a really really great take on the normandy landings and 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 that era that that war uh it, it was a great game yeah i mean it's the angle they're going for the call of duty is the michael bay film you know, everything explodes and it's it's a ride. It's just a thriller minute. Whereas Medal of Honor, it's like at the end they they put up tributes to the families and um, the story is very much about the families and individual people in the conflict and the effect that it has on those people. Um, and I'm not saying that the, their intentions are very good, but it doesn't make for that interesting a game. That's the only problem with it. So, I mean, can is gaming ready for that sort of stuff? I would say yes, um, but it just needs to find a better way to do it, and a first-person shooter probably isn't the way. So from one game which has got its uh, themes steeped in history to another, uh, Steve, you've been playing Assassin's Creed 3, but on the Vita this time. Yeah, um, I've, I've been playing both. I've, I'm reviewing the, uh, the version for the Vita, and uh, Manny will be reviewing the, the, uh, the actual main version for the PC. Um, yeah, the Vita version, it focuses on um, its first ever female protagonist, uh, Avalyn. She's a, a French-African slave in, based in New Orleans. Um, she's fighting for liberation of, obviously, the assassins fight for freedom of the, you know, the, the civilization and the people. Yeah, she's, you know, you follow her in the footsteps of her as in the Assassin's Guild. Um, freeing the slaves, tackling—it's not so, you know, as historically bound and based as the as the console version, but it's still it's in the same era as the console version. So it's set in America in the 1700s, pushing the 1800s when the revolution was happening. So there's a lot of changes happening. You know, there's a lot of like there's still a lot of like open landscape tied with new new towns and cities. Obviously, this one's New Orleans, but obviously you get the the Louisiana Bayou as well, so you get the swamps to to trawl through. Um, it's a good little game. I mean, I'm I'm going to make a bold statement by saying I actually enjoyed playing the Vita version a lot more than the console version. Um, we'll probably come to that a bit later, but it's it's you know it's it's tight controls for a Vita game. It actually, it looks pretty good. You know, they've got the the draw distance is pretty good. The the areas that you get to run about in aren't as big, but obviously they can't because of the constraints of the hardware. But on the other side, it is it is quite a buggy experience. There's quite a few flaws with the um, like the civilians. You know, the 
they'll just all of a sudden wander through a building or they'll change clothing in the middle of the, you know, in the walking pattern. But apart from that, it's it's probably one of the better games for the Vita and it's a, it's a good reason enough to pick the actual, you know, if you've got a console, it's a good enough reason to buy it, to, to play through it, definitely. What about the like Vita-specific features? I mean, thus far, a lot of the kind of big games for Vita have just been... You know, because they look great, because the hardware's that powerful. But um, what about things like the rear touchpad or, you know, the kind of, like, gyroscopic-type movements, that kind of thing? Does it utilise any of those? Uh, it does, yeah. I mean, I, I like these sort of, you know, these touchy-feeler things that you can do with it. I mean, now you can you can touch on the screen to target people um, that you can fire blow darts at. If you target someone by pressing on the screen, you can you if you walk past them, you can use the rear touchpad if you swipe down or up. You can do that to pickpocket them. So you'll get like a little meter on screen and it shows you how much you're pickpocketing from them. So that if you move it too fast or too slow, they'll probably detect you, which is nice. Um, the the main problem is there's a couple of things. You um, you, you have to uh, you get so like letters every now and again after you finish missions and you, you hold your finger at the top of the screen and the touchpad and swipe your finger across as if you're opening an envelope, which is good, that's fine. But some of them have secret maps where you have to hold the back camera to a bright light to reveal a map underneath, which actually doesn't work. You hold it to a bright light and you're sitting there and you're sitting there and it doesn't do anything. But if you actually aim it at the floor where the light is shining or the bed, then it actually works, which is not the light source, so you can actually point it at something dull, it actually works. Did you discover this yourself, or you had to I'd, well, consult just, online? I'd, no, I'd, I'd actually just kind of held it away in you know complete disgust, saying this is useless, it don't work, and it started making the funny noise it does to say it's revealed, and it was pointed at the floor, so it's like from then on I pointed it at the floor and it worked fine. So it's like if it actually worked, it's a nice little feature, you know, but until that point, it's it's not, you know, it doesn't work, so... It just feels like that that part of the game wasn't really you know tested or made sure it actually worked properly. And uh, how does it differ from um, the the other version you've played? Are they completely different games? It's it's a standalone game. It's it's set at the same time, but the story doesn't follow on from uh, Connor's the main protagonist in the third. It crosses over slightly where one mission has mission has Connor and Aveline fighting together, but apart from that one point. The rest of the games are completely separate, so it's not like a cheap port from the console to the handheld. It's a completely Why, that, I mean, that, standalone package. That seems to be something which is more and more common these days. I remember back in the day, you know, a version was the same across all platforms. So I suppose credit where credit's due, that, that's quite a good thing to do. Oh, yeah, it's definitely it's better than just having a, a cheap, crappy little porting of the console version. Like I say, thankfully, they've, they've kept a standalone game because it's... To me, it's you know provided a lot more entertainment than the the console version. Has. So yeah, praise for Ubisoft for actually trying something new, you know, on the on a new platform for them. Moving back from handhelds to consoles, uh, Leon, we mentioned it earlier. The other big game you've been playing this month, you've been spoiled this month, haven't you? Halo yeah, Four. Indeed. This is, this is my one. Um, yeah, Halo 4 came out. 343 taking over the mantle from Bungie after they've left to go and do things with Activision. Um, but yeah, Halo 4 is out. Anything there that makes it kind of feel different from, from the previous Bungie games now that um, the, the baton has been handed? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, Bungie, obviously, they made many successful Halo games and it, it kind of felt like they were they're very steadfast in a lot of the things that they did with Halo. You know, it was a very floaty shooter. Um, you didn't really run very fast. It's only two weapons and it was all about the weapons. And, you know, they, they stood by whilst the world adapted to Call of Duty um, and, they, and they didn't really bow to it. Um, 343 have kind of come in and gone, right, so let's make it a bit more like Call of Duty then. To good effect or too bad it is good effect to be honest um i mean there's a lot more in the, in the campaign way there's a lot more first persony type stuff and um, when it first opens up there's even a few quick time sequences which had me slightly worried but they don't really rear their head very often uh, which is a good thing um i mean after after that it is basically a halo game in the campaign um but when it comes to the multiplayer they they have not completely Call of Duty it, but they've added some elements in, such as the class-based systems and the fact that everybody can now run all the time um, and all that sort of stuff, which does make it feel a little bit like Call of Duty, but it still maintains the fact that it is Halo. So it's not alienating the fans, but it's it's kind of moving it forward a little bit, 
which is it's also true in like the graphics as well. It looks amazing. It looks better than any other Halo game before. Halo's always been sort of colourful and big and bright and all that sort of stuff. But now it, it really has like a lot of weight as well with the sounds, like the machine guns sound just amazing. Um and everything just feels a lot more gritty for for want of a better word. And you've still got vehicles and stuff in the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the key part of Halo. Like I said, they haven't fundamentally changed it. So you've still got your warthogs and your banshees and your ghosts and whatnot. Um, but it's just the the actual movement and the pace of the game has been up to a little bit. And what's the the, the general feeling amongst the um, the hardcore fans? Is it a sort of a plus point for the series, or is it? Not been Surpri- surprisingly, I think it's been taken as one of the best so far. To be honest, I mean, I don't think three four three could have asked for a, a better reaction. I mean, it's it's got to be incredibly hard trying to follow Bungie, but they seem to have done it very, very, very well. Um, I, I'm of the opinion that it's one of the best Halos that's been made, um, and everybody else seems to be really enjoying it as well. No, I was just going to ask about uh, the story side of things. Obviously, without giving too much away, but there's, um, you know, there was. Rumours and and some kind of reports that we're going to go a little bit deeper into Master Chief and you know where they're going to reveal a little bit more and you know his relationship with Cortana and and that kind of thing. Um, you know I've always been of the opinion that I preferred him as as this blank slate. I you know I don't I, I don't even want to hear a voice from him. But um, you know have they kind of delved into that side of things? Um, they're not. They are delving into Master Chief. I think they're kind of easing their way into it. This is the first of a trilogy, um, and it is more about Master Chief, and especially Cortana, to be honest. If if anything, it is more of Cortana's story, uh, without like completely nerding out on it. Um, she's an AI, which only lasts seven years in the Halo universe. Um, after that point, AIs tend to think themselves to death. Um, so Cortana... <laughs> I mean, I, okay. I'm, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know much about the the, the Halo backstory, but that's kind of weird. Sounds yeah, like th- it was kind of thought up by the IT crowd or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty cool though because it, it basically, I mean, Cortana is always that kind of calm voice telling you exactly what you need to do, um, being the chief's backup in every situation. But at this point, she's not exactly reliable anymore, and she you don't really hear. I mean, you hear a bit of sarcasm from her in other games, but you don't really hear emotion. And there's you know hatred and outbursts, and you know she's reacting very differently, which makes for a different relationship with her and the chief uh, and in that way yeah you see more of the master chief um i think throughout the the trilogy they're probably gonna humanize him a little bit hopefully they're not going to take the mask off because nobody wants that um but yeah it's it's a very good story i, I really don't want to spoil it in, in any way um but the story is good i like the story a lot and what about say the weaponry because i know they were going to go into uh showing off some new stuff um with regards, shall we say, the the enemy combatants and that kind of thing, uh, is there anything you know that kind of puts any decent fresh twists on it, or or is it still kind of the same kind of general combination of two guns that you you tend to stick to? I mean, all the all the favourite weapons are there. Um, the UNSC stuff is all there, and the and the Covenant are there. But the new stuff is the Forerunner, Forerunner, or the Promethean weapons, which are. Again, without nerding out on it too much, <laughs> um, they're, they're another race that have come into the Halo. They're the people who built the Halo systems. Um, and you get all of their weapons in there now, which are kind of cool tron light weapons, which hover and snap into place and stuff like that. I mean, they look completely different, and they're, they're possibly the coolest things you've seen for a while. But ultimately, they fall into the category of assault rifle, shotgun, and pistol. So it's it's not changing the world or anything, but it it does add some variety. Um, but yeah, the, the the weapons, the the fundamental weapon system of Halo, which is two weapons, um, still exists, and the combinations of the two weapons are still good. You need to use a plasma rifle to take down somebody's shields, and then a battle rifle to to kill them with. Um, so so all the key strategies are still there. It just looks, and I can't understand under overstate how good they sound. They sound amazing. I do like uh, good sound in video games. In fact, I forgot to raise the point earlier. I thought Black Ops 2, that the sound was great in that. Although I've seen people moaning that you can't hear footsteps and stuff from uh, from uh, your enemies. But uh, yeah, Halo sounds like something I'd uh, want to get the surround sound cranked up for. It is, and it's, it's one of those experiences as well. It's not just the same way we were saying, you know, Call of Duty has a good story, but 
Halo has an epic story, and you know everybody uses the word epic these days, but it really is epic, and the soundtrack is always brilliant in Halo, and it, and it is in this. It's got a bit more of an electronic type feel to it, but you know it's big and it's sweeping, and it's one of those things where you you put down the controller and you just listen and enjoy where you are. The amount of times that I walked into a level on that thing and just looked around and listened to the sound, it was just just amazing. Mark, you've been playing something. Um, a little bit different to our uh, previous few games that we've been discussing. Uh, Professor Layton on the DS, the latest outing. How is it? Yeah, it's great. I've just finished it. It'll be straight in the post to Leon. <laughs> I await it. <laughs> no, it's, it's um, yeah, first one for the 3DS. And so it's uh, kind of a big push by Nintendo. One of their kind of main exclusives. It's become very much a, a fan favorite series it's uh, very comfortable and it, you know we've been talking about call of duty and and games that tend to repeat a formula well you know the professor layton series uh, for the ds has just repeated the same formula time and time they again. really it's, really uh, do sell a ton of these don't they they sell absolutely by the shed load and they do every christmas it's it's um it's one of those titles that just kind of gets passed around families it's the kind of thing i mean my sister she's you know she's not a gamer but she will get a professor layton whenever it's out you know she it's one of those things that she does kind of religiously she will have one of these games for christmas um it's just it's very simple puzzling action um with charming scripting as well which is you know you you don't get a lot of um since the days of the, the old school graphic adventures uh you know you haven't really seen that same attention to detail like you used to get with you know your your monkey islands and the like where you actually felt like someone had poured over the script and tried to inject a little bit of humor um and and for you know a small car they've always had great um great amounts of voice acting and the like and these animated cut scenes that are really really slick um it's typical um Sherlock Holmes light style uh, puzzling adventures. Uh, this time on the 3DS, it looks it looks great. Um, they've they've had to reinvent it slightly, so it's different character models. So, you know, it's all got a 3D twist actually in in terms of um, the design as well as uh, ask, the stereoscopic does, does, screen. Does it work for the gameplay, the 3D, or is it just um, kind of bolted on for the sake of uh, uh, putting it in there? It, it kind of works. It, it works in terms of um, actually getting uh, when you're exploring scenes. It works. I this is the standard style where you know you're looking at a scene and then you would you know pick out particular points of interest and then it will trigger a puzzle. And so it, it works in that regard because you can now actually look around. You can look left and right rather than it being a static screen. Um, but in the puzzles themselves, it, it's still largely reliant upon the the same uh standard ideas that, that that's been there for well forever it seems um you know trying to pick people out of lineups trying to simple logic puzzles that kind of thing um there's a couple of minor bugbears i suppose the main one is really that now that they have to have um some kind of image on the top screen which is obviously the the 3d enabled you know the stereoscopic screen it means that you're now inputting everything on the bottom screen, which means there's, you know, you're not getting the instructions up there permanently. So if you've got one of those standard, you know, Jane is three years older than Jim and Jim's twelve years older, you know, that kind of convoluted logic problem. Uh, Sounds very complicated. <laughs> yeah, then you, you you can't make notes at the same time as seeing the instructions, and so it does kind of become a little bit infuriating but those take, those puzzles are, are few and far between yeah yeah you've got a little memo function so that you can use the the ds's touch screen to have you never played a latent title man <sighs> i didn't really, i was slightly embarrassed to bring it up earlier but no i've never played uh, a professor latent game has it, got, has it got terrorists in it <laughs> <laughs> it has no sky-fi soundtracks either is there can a, i shoot anything a deep underlying political message in there <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised to hear there is. Can we kill Osama bin Laden? Uh, That's no. the next one. <laughs> and it would still sell. Professor Layton takes on. Uh, Pro Professor Layton versus Osama bin Laden. 
He has to puzzle him out of his hideout. <laughs> Taking very serious notes. No, it's it's a classic formula. Um, it's it's a solid reinvention of of the of the graphics. Um, and yeah, it's the kind of thing I, I fully expect to start shifting 3ds's, and they've they've you know not been selling badly now, and you know that along with Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation uh, that Steve reviewed, that's that's two portable only titles in the top 20, which isn't bad in a, in a month when you've had you know you've got FIFA lurking around, Black Ops 2, Halo 4, and the like. You know people are saving their money, and you're still seeing portable gaming, you know, make a decent dent. Definitely, and uh, your review will be on the site. It's up. You haven't read it. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was. Uh, yeah, I was saving. I thought you it. had it bookmarked already. <laughs> I was saving it for um, those lonely nights at sea. We touched on Borderlands Two last month, but we welcome back Steve after a, a brief absence. Uh, Steve, fill us in on your review of Borderlands Two. Yeah, um, it's uh, from the guys at Gearbox um, and Two K. Um, it's pretty much the same as the first game, um, but it, it, you know it evolves on what the first game did. There's no question that if you didn't really get on with the first game, you probably won't get on with it, the second one because it's pretty much all the same mechanics are there. It's it's kept the shoot and loot uh, theory at heart. You know it still does that. It looks a lot better than it did. The you know the it's, you you really want to call it cell shading, but I I don't call it cell shading because it's not really the same. It's kind of a you know. This sort of drawn graphic style, they've kept that, but they've made it look so much better this time around. The colours and you know the environments are a lot more detailed and expansive than they were before, um, rather than just having the same you know desert you know look as the first one did. You get you know you're getting snow-capped mountains now, you know waterfalls in like mountain ranges and things like that, and the robotic factories for you know packed full of you know life and character. It's credit to them it, it, it's a lot the world is a lot more welcoming and has a lot more life than it did before so to that end it's it's an amazing game you know technical and technical feat is, is brilliant um the story is a lot more engaging well you know without spoiling the first one you know the the story of the first one ends and it turns out you're just on some sort of wild goose chase so you're carrying on from the first one um, but you have a new character you know you have a choice of these four or five characters like you did in the first one so you get someone who's um, you know, who was good with the guns as a sniper and the assassin, um, all that sort of good stuff again. So stories, the story, story kind of comes a bit um, unimportant to me in games like that. When the the gameplay is so much fun, you just kind of blast your way through it. I mean, of course, it, it is important, and it doesn't mean they shouldn't make an effort. But it's just kind of not not such a big deal, I find. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you're after the vault, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, someone's thought, you know, these these names that have done before, you're hunting for a vault for some alien weapons, and it, it is a bit bland, the story, but it's the characters that you actually meet around the world that make it a lot more exciting. I mean, you're, you're tailing a guy called Hanson, Handsome Jack, which, you know, someone, the name, you know, suggests that he's going to be sort of some sort of comical character. You chase him as a vault hunter throughout, and the conversation that he, he gives to you and the the conversation that other people, you know, bounce off each other. It's the the script is is really good. I mean, the the first game was good for you know these off the wall characters, um, these crazy sort of characters. That, and you touched on it last time that the game kind of snowballed and they weren't expecting it to have you know the sort of success that it did. But this time they've put you know put more effort into the scripting because they felt. I mean, I felt that was missing last it's time. Very funny know, game. Definitely got some sort of laugh out yeah, loud moments, which is not yeah. something video games pull off that often. I don't think. No, no, and it's you know it's it's credit to them again, you know, for the design and the structure of it because it is a, it is very entertaining. Um, but the characters, you know, as you walk past, they'll talk to you. Whereas last time you had to you know press a button to interact with them, they'll talk to each other. You know, you'll get you know like um, like. Um, Tanoi is speaking out in cities, you know, people, you know, talking to you, and like I say, handsome Jekyll. If you're doing a main mission or any sort of mission, he'll just he'll just pipe up at random moments, you know, try and put you down with his sarcasm, and you know, he'll send his robots after you, and then it's it's just a brilliant game all round, you know. Um, you could say, I mean, there's like I was saying with Assassin's Creed, there's a lot, there's quite a few, you know, glitches in it. Um, the, you know, there's the system doesn't seem to like 
things when you know when it gets hectic on screen when you've got a few enemies things slow down a little bit and just things like that it's you know you, when you open a chest and items fly out everywhere they get stuck under the under the nearest rock and you can't pick them up again so it's just stuff like that that it niggles you because the game's so good it's stuff like little things like that that just kind of you know, they just ruin it sometimes. Well, have you have you been following um, some of the developers on on Twitter and using the shift codes at all? Uh, I I do, but I, I've not I've you know I've not been big on on the whole Borderlands thing since I've got other stuff to review. Yeah, it's been so a bit of a, a bugbear for some people. They've kind of been saying it, it make, makes the game too easy. I don't know. Have you heard about this, Mark and Leon, at all? I know of shift codes, but I don't really understand it. Yeah, so they're just they're giving out codes over Twitter that if you enter within a certain amount of time, so the codes are valid for maybe six hours at a time, let's say, and you can enter the code into the game, and that basically gives you a key which you can use to open a golden chest, which is in Sanctuary, just kind of like the sort of home city if you like mm. and every time you open a chest you kind of roll the dice and have a chance of um getting a very special weapon out of it and of course these weapons are often sort of well above your your level far more powerful than your um your character is and just means you can kind of tear through the game um and makes it very very easy which to me that's great i love that i think that's great um, but other people maybe not so keen. But then I suppose you just wouldn't use the codes, would you? I mean, it sounds voluntary. Yeah, I mean, to me, Borderlands, you know, it's the game where you can have, as it likes, but gazillions of guns. But to me, none of the, ga- the guns actually stand out as being amazing or, you know, they're all too samey-samey and none of them actually have... There are, there are some very funny... There's one that talks talks to you and to the point where it's so annoying you just have to get rid of it. There's another one where um, once you've shot all your bullets, to reload it, you like kind of you throw it. <laughs> it explodes. It flies towards the enemy and explodes, and then just another one appears in your hands. It is bonkers. Yeah. The game's absolutely bonkers. Oh yeah, you know, apart from the odd couple, you know, it's it's like say the missions are the same. There's a few where it's just a simple go here, do that, but you know, there's some completely mad. Mad runs where you have to you know make go make a skag vomit you know take it you know f- pile through its its puke pile and find items that it swallowed and stuff so there are a few that are Spoilers. off the wall but other than that you know there are a few dare I say bland moments where you are just running about and picking a few picking a few flowers up and but other than that it's, it is a great game you know there's no there's no doubting that it's it's a brilliant game but. For, fan, for fans of the first game, it is, but people likely. Do you think we'll be talking about it, contender of the year, uh, game of the year, perhaps next month? Possibly. Um, for me, it's not, but um, I can see why people would. You know, it's it's got it's got quite a cult following since the first one, so I can see why people would because it's one. It's you know, you could say it's one of them games that's doing something a bit new and innovative. With the RPG twist, so I could, I could see people's reasoning for it. So I think it's definitely going to be up there. Leon, what do you reckon? Halo Four or Black Ops going to creep in? Oh, uh, now, now you're asking. Um, I, I don't think Black Ops is going to. Um, Black Ops is a very good game, but it's it kind of asks the question. I mean, this year has been very much the year of incremental improvement. Do you know what I mean? Like, it asks the question: if if they refine a formula so well can that game be the best game of the year or is it something new that needs to be the best game of the year? Is, is that what we're looking for? Good point. Uh, Mark, Professor Layton, do you think uh, he might be yeah. <laughs> knocking on the door? I sense that's something of a loaded question there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If you're, if you're talking about polished gameplay and polished formulas, then yeah, it's very much a, a great game for that format. But, you know, it's, it's not going to knock any of the big console big boys off their perch this year. Not even considering the Wii U yeah. there, so as soon as that comes out, then... Yep. Zombie U is going to be game of the year easily. How long you got now? Uh, what, the 30th is going to be released. Just waiting, just looking at which headsets to buy, any extra little things. Yeah, you, you mentioned this before we started recording. How are the headsets going to work, or not work, as it were? <sighs> Voice chat... Um, as it seems right now, you've got a mic in the game pad that technically won't be used for um, in-game chat. You will need to get a third-party headset, plug that into the game pad itself. 
even if you're using the Pro Controller, the Pro Controller doesn't have an audio input on it. So you'll basically have to have the gamepad sat next to you, obviously charged, and then pop on the headset from that and then have the Pro Controller um, play on that. Yeah, it's 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 clunky. It's it seems elegant. Odd. Yeah, it does. But on the flip side, um, Nintendo have got this. I've been trying to push this Miiverse idea, this kind of meta layer of interconnectedness, that, that where you can leave messages for people. You know, it, it's kind of been likened a little bit to like um, Demon Souls, that kind of thing. And the argument put forward by some, a um, little bit conspiratorial. Uh, is that if they put in too much of a slick voice chat like the other consoles, basically like the 360, people wouldn't go to that. You know, I it, it's it's what well, it's almost Sorry. saying if if they give you the best way to connect to other people and then give you a slightly clunkier way that you have to basically buy extra things to be able to do, your hardcore crowd will still go out and buy the headsets, but they'll be able to get, you know. They're based what their core audience is, which is the the casual crowd to take to this thing that they're likening more to say Twitter for gaming, um, and I I, I, could, I can honestly I think it you know it may work it may tank like um like the PlayStation's home has done, um, only time will tell really but um, at least at least they've done away with the friend codes, so. You know, you can finally yeah, just use I mean, a network we, ID. We, we've spoken about this before. And I just think it's a massive, massive mistake to try and to try and move in a radically different direction to something that so obviously works. Like, why would you do that? You know, why would you be different for the sake of being different? It, it's Nintendo. Because it's Nintendo, exactly, exactly. I, you know, I said it before i wish them all the luck with this console but there are some already very strange um quirks of this new system that make it just seem not destined to fail that's not fair but just already make it look as if it's going to have some very interesting conversation points shall we say there's not going to be an achievement system on it that's come out recently i'm out (laughs) (laughs) that's not strictly true steve uh there will be accomplishments on it. Accomplishments. However, yeah. Um, however, it it won't be mandatory for it to be um, put in by developers. So, so therefore, no one will do it. it's down to the developers. And and Sony made this mistake early on themselves. And then you know, as with Metal Gear Solid Four, all of a sudden it becomes a big thing when it finally gets put in. Um, people want it, but again, you know, one argument put forward is that. Uh, the core crowd who buy the Nintendo consoles, the core Wii crowd who they're looking to try and port over, aren't interested in that in that kind of thing. You know, they're hoping that perhaps the message system through the Miiverse will become more akin to almost like a, a an organic social version of accomplishments. That you know, messages left by your friends at what people have managed to actually do, almost more akin to the old-fashioned leaderboards rather where you just scored yourself against other people or, or you know found out what other people were doing rather than having this arbitrary set of of um kind of points given to you because and has as has often been the case you just find out that in fact it's padding it's almost developer-led padding for a game that you know couldn't draw you back long enough so they tell you to try and get you know 20 headshots in a row or something like that or find some hidden item when really you wouldn't be going back to that game anyway you know I'd I'd love to see into like the research and development department where they came up with the Wii U just got images of all these Japanese guys (laughs) in white lab coats and I'm thinking of Willy Wonka's factory (laughs) in video (laughs) game terms (laughs) with Oompa Loompas and everything yeah Oompa Loompas with uh, tablet controllers all dressed as toad with uh, headsets plugged into their other controllers. They are, but you know what? People knocked the DS when the PSP came out and people said that it couldn't compete and, you know, it did so. People knocked the, the Wii when it came out. They said that, you know, techno- technologically-wise, it couldn't compete. I think what they've what they've done is, is actually quite smart. The gamepad seemed a little bit mad to start with, but tablet gaming is possibly going to be the next frontier and they've taken 
by putting in a, this uh, gyroscope and an accelerometer, they've taken the tactile approach of the Wii's motion control and mixed it with the dual screen nature of the DS. You know, it it seems like quite a sensible recipe for success from their point of view. So what's the what's the crack? Are you reviewing the hardware for the forum, or is it you know is this just a personal thing for you, or? Yeah, uh, it's it's a personal thing for me. Um, it's you know I've I've been a little bit away from Nintendo gaming for a while, um, and so I'm kind of coming home to that. Um, mainly because I ended up with a US Wii, and then I ended up missing uh, a lot of games because I couldn't be bothered importing them really. Um, and so how did you, you know, how did you end up with a, a US Wii? In the, this will sound ridiculously geeky and uh, and a very sad length to go to, but the game No More Heroes, um, coming from Suda Fifty One Goichi Suda, um, I was massively looking forward to it, and then the news came out that it would have no, it would basically be censored the UK version, so that when you attacked an enemy, coins flew out rather than this kind of arterial spray of, of digitized blood. And I honestly, I got <laughs> coins for blood. Yeah. I honestly got so mad with that. I just thought, you know what? I, I'll, I'll sell my UK. Wii. I'll, I'll get a US one and I'll play it on that. And, um, Were the coins like coins you could pick up? No, it was just a stylistic choice. Why coins in? How strange. Is that what Super Mario believes? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all the, it's all the little mushroom dudes that he stomps on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, oh no, uh, Mario does drop them though, doesn't he? If he gets uh, twatted himself, <laughs> I don't think they describe Mario as getting twatted. Can I say twatted? twatted? I probably can't. Can I? <laughs> don't know, keep saying it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying it. My title is to be accepted. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, I mean, the, the sad fact of it is, is I end up with a USB, and uh, in fact, the, I've, I've played the UK version, and the coins actually do probably work better stylistically. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't worth it in the end. No, it wasn't. It wasn't really. Uh, that brings us to the end of this month's podcast. Uh, guys, got anything to plug for the month going forward? Uh, look out for Far Cry 3 eventually. Uh, more things to shoot. Keep it real. Oh, you're loving your first-person shooters in a moment. <laughs> they don't call me guns for nothing. Steve? Um, I've got Wonderbook that's coming up. That comes out on Friday. So look out for the review. We're hopefully going live on Friday. A uh, little big, little big planet cat, and that should up, be up by the end of this week. And then, but it's most exciting. I want to Lego Lord of the Rings this month, so keep your eyes out for that one before months over as well. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, your support is massively appreciated. Please comment on the thread, uh, and also give us a review on iTunes as well if you like what we're doing. Help us um, get bumped up a little bit, and hopefully, find some new listeners. Um, I've been Steve Hill. Um, thanks, Mark. Cheers, Steve. Thank you, Leon. Cheers. And cheers, Steve. Thank you. And we will catch you all again next month. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited.